Rocky, do you believe that America is the land of opportunity? Yeah. Apollo Creed does. And he's going to prove it to the whole world by giving an unknown a shot at the title. And that unknown is you. He picked you, Rocky. Rocky, it's the chance of a lifetime. You can't pass it by. Folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 155, and today we're going to be talking about the iconic piece of American cinema known as Rocky. This great and fantastic film stars Sylvester Stallone, Burgess Meredith, Carl Weathers, and Talia Shire. I am your host, Steve, the master of podcast disaster, Michaels, and joining me. In the left corner, coming in at a world average, 5 feet, 7 inches, and 200 pounds, Jeff the Ball Breaker, Muncie! Uh, you know, I was waiting for you to introduce me as Polly, and so I'm a little taken <laughs> aback right now. I thought you were going to get introduced as Ankle Biter. Well, son of a bitch, I should have came up with that one. <laughs> Jeff the Ankle Biter, Muncie, where did I come up with Ball Breaker? <laughs> Son of a bitch must pay! <laughs> Continue, Jeff, please. Um, well, I was waiting for the poly, and I never got it, so I'm I'm done. I'm out. You're out? I'm out, thanks. <laughs> you let me down. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, in the right corner, a fit and strapping specimen of podcasting mayhem. Ken, the vanilla vodka Valkyrie. Roni. <laughs> Michaels, you're a bum, and you'll always be a bum, because you don't have a manager. <laughs> well played, Ken. Nice. Very nice. Uh, all right, and last and certainly not least, our referee of tonight hails from the foothills of bourbon country, Mark, the four-leaf clover, Slover. <laughs> Yo. People, uh, people ask me well, why I want to uh, podcast. Well, because I can't sing a dance. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well played. Oh, God. oh, so there you go, folks. We are going to be talking about, again, this iconic uh, movie of Americana, and it's Rocky. And uh, we talked about this in the past, guys. Hard to believe that we're three years in this podcast, and... This is only the second movie that we've had him in. It's kind of shocking, isn't it? No, 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 no. He was another. I blame one. you. Copland. Oh shit! I forgot about Copland. Oh gosh, yeah, it's right. Okay, third one. So we got him in three. Very good, Mark. Thanks. You know, I have to refer back to the Beecham files. I don't. I don't do that enough. So, all right, folks. So we're going to be talking about Rocky. This is, again, one of those iconic Americana films. This is, I think, the movie that kind of defined the whole issue of America's love of the underdog. 
So, guys, I mean, you know, open forum, initial thoughts. What do we think? Uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, just, just curious. Do you have a an official man cave movie opening for this movie? Holy crap, Ken! You're right. I actually do have an official man cave movie review opening for this great fantastic film. Like I said, Michael, you need a manager. <laughs> I know He's I'm a, a tomato. <laughs> He's just a tomato. I am a tomato. <laughs> like, a, oh my gosh, this is terrible because we really worked hard on this one. So you need to put him on Skid Row. Just put his shit on Skid Row. <laughs> Where's my fire hydrant to break off a lock? All right, guys, here we go. This is the Man Cave movie intro to this great and fantastic film. Rocky Balboa, a small-time boxer, is given a once-in-a-lifetime chance to fight the heavyweight champion of the world for the world title and to regain his own self-respect. Hey, all of you out there, this is Steve's wife. Stay in school and use your brain. Be a doctor, be a lawyer, carry a leather briefcase. Forget about podcasting as a profession. Podcasting consumes your Friday nights. Podcasting gets you drunk and makes you spill your beer on the carpet and pass out on the stairs. Be a thinker, not a stinker. (laughs) Okay, that's it. That's the best. Ever. She nailed it. And this was the perfect movie for her to nail that in. And the thing is, she stole my damn closing. Damn it. Damn it. Well done, Deb. Bravo. Oh, gosh. we I tell you what, we must have played that about three or four times. We were laughing so hard. I'm like, guys, they are going to love this. So, so there you go. That's... <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm trying to gain my composure again. That's the Man Cave movie intro to this great and fantastic film. So hope you hope you enjoyed that one. Um, so guys, again, open forum. I mean, what, what what can you say about this movie? This is uh, one of the great ones. I mean, I think this is uh, you know one of the great pieces of American cinema. And I, I'll just throw it out there real quick is I, I was really surprised. I didn't know until I was reading the trivia, you know, for the show, and I'm not even going to get into trivia on this on this particular episode because, good Lord, there's like 250 pieces. It's insane. But I did not realize uh, for the longest time that Stallone wrote this. I mean, this guy literally was living on Skid Row and I think sold this thing for like, what, like 150 or 200 grand or something like that, and... And part of the deal, he had the star in the movie, uh, you know, because prior to that, he was, what, doing Death Race 2000 and I think was doing, like, you know, soft porn movies prior to this. Yeah, he sold it for 350000 Okay. And at the time, he only had $106 in the bank. Yeah. And I think the dog, the buckus was actually his dog. And he, I think they were talking about he had to sell his dog or was going he to was- sell his dog because he couldn't afford to feed it. Right. <laughs> so, um and I, think I mean, th- part of the, this. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say. I just think that's part of why this movie is so impactful. Is that whole subtext of not only is it about the underdog in Rocky, it's about the underdog flies to loan. The whole backstory itself is a great, could be a great movie. And I think that's another reason why people love this movie is 
they know that he never sold out on his dream, his real dream, which was to make this movie. Right. So it's in some ways autobiographical, which I think makes this that much more of a, a, a great, that just adds to the, to what makes a very good movie. I agree. That's a really good point, Mark. It's, it is, it's almost autobiographical. Excellent point. And, and I think, yeah, that leads to the authenticity, but <clears throat> I didn't know this until I started reviewing for this movie that he decided to write this after watching um, an actual fight between Muhammad Ali and Chuck Wepner in 1975. And the fight went very similar to what he, he you know, the, the movie that we see. Um, the story was, was almost the same and identical. You know, you had this guy that Ali was going to fight that was old and nobody took serious. And everybody pretty much thought the same exact thing. And, and my understanding is, you know, when he wrote this, you know, he had a Muhammad Ali in, in, in mind. And a lot of people drew some parallels between Muhammad Ali and, and, um, and Carl Weathers. And, you know, the story fits very well. And, and one of the, one of the, like you said, one of the great things is they, they got the exact right people to play the key roles in this movie. And, and it, it made it very believable. Um, especially, you know, when you have Burgess Meredith come in as what the, the hell? what was that? What was what? Oh, forget it. <laughs> okay. I just heard a strange sound. Uh, well, we didn't. Oh, continue. <laughs> Jeff, you're okay. making some good points here. I, yeah, they were just I, ruined, but they were great. I, <laughs> I, Sorry. How do you spell cat? I don't know. D O G. You're making, well, you were making well, great I, points until the voices in Ken's head said something. <laughs> well, you know, when the LSD kicks in. Oh, God, 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 God. Just, oh, we're back with. I'm the, sorry. We're back with the blooper clips. Thank hey. you, Ken. Great, Ken. Penny on the rail, Roni. <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay. Um, well, I allow me to try to continue my train of thought here. Um, but the great thing. Well, the, here's the here's something that I I noticed, and I, God, I, this movie. I I have probably seen this thing. I don't know. I'm going to guess at least 20 times. I don't, I don't have it in the collection because it's on TV so much that I don't feel like I need to. I can just watch it. It seems it, right now it's even on, um, on, on demand on, uh, on, on at least through Uverse. Um, I didn't know that this was shot in the seventies. I had always thought that this was an early eighties movie and this was actually shot before star Wars. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and what's amazing is he um he he saw this fight between Muhammad Ali and uh, Chuck Wepner in uh, 75 and he went home apparently and just wrote the screenplay because this movie was released in 76. Yeah. And I mean the turnaround on that I mean he something you know I mean he lit a fire in him because he wanted to go and write this and apparently you know it was you know i didn't know that stallone had wrote this that he, he had that kind of uh talent and um and quite honestly when you start reading the history of this um he was really taken advantage of by the two dickheads that saw an opportunity to 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 get the get this story and, and turn it into a movie right well erwin winkler and uh robert uh chartoff 
Um, they found it, uh, found this little this little screenplay. Um, they wanted to buy it from him, and as Steve said, Stallone said, "I'll sell it to you, but I want to star in it." Um, they kind of agreed. Uh, they took it to um, to a studio um, to get um, an United Artist to get them to 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 greenlight it, and of course they wanted they didn't nobody knew who this guy was nobody wanted him, and at the time um, I guess uh, people that they wanted were like Redford, um, Ryan O'Neill, Burt Reynolds, and uh, James Caan, and um, they went. Uh, and again, they didn't want to know anything about him. They told him, look, the only way that they're going to be able to do this is if, if they, um, you know, they sell the screenplay and agree to cast him that they're only going to give him a million dollar budget. And if they went over budget that these two guys were going to have to, um, have to pony up the money themselves. And in the end, I guess it went up to $1.1 million. So it went over by $100,000. And these two guys had to pony up their own money, mortgage their houses to be able to get the money. But to do all that, they said, fine, we'll take you on, but you have to continue writing throughout the process. We're not going to pay you to write any further. We're not going to pay you for your writing anymore. And we're going to pay you as an actor for scale. Yeah. And this pretty much is the movie that put, uh, you know, that made Stallone what he is today. I think it's fair to say that after that uh, reaming that they gave him, I'm betting he negotiated much better terms for subsequent movies. I'm sure he did. Well, when you think the, the you know, the budget for this was $1.1 million, the box office gross in the USA alone was $117,235,000. So they did pretty good. Yeah, I, I can speak just a little bit about going on what Jeff said about this being, you know, mid-70s. I mean, I knew it was mid-70s. I, I mean, I can remember when it came out. Uh, and the thing about that period in movies was we were having a lot of, you know, dark, dreary, you know, cynical storylines. Uh, I'm not saying there's no happy, fun movies, but... It wasn't a really good, you know, the, the early 70s was, although there's a lot of good movies, it wasn't a happy, fun time. You weren't having a lot of these, you know, this is a uplifting message. It's just kind of a patriotic movie in a way. It came out in the bicentennial year, which was a big thing at that time. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it just came out of nowhere. You know, nobody saw this coming and it hit. And if I remember correctly, it came out in the summer and it was just, massive everybody was watching it. everybody was talking about it and it was quite the phenomenon and i i I think it actually did sort of spur you know sort of a change in the way they're doing movies well and i think one of the other things that this particular movie showed a little bit too was you know some of the behind the scenes of professional boxing and you saw it um, where, you know, you've got Apollo Creed who really thinks he is the best. I mean, he personally believes that he can destroy any man that gets in the ring. But then you see who his, you know, his handlers are like, you know, we're kind of picking and choosing who you fight because there's some guys out there that can tear you up. And, I mean, you see that later on in the other Rocky sequels, which I am not going to even get into on the show. But that's the interesting part of this because you do see – 
where when he decided, oh, I'm going to fight this guy, I'm going to fight this club fighter, this Rocky Balboa, and you can see his trainers after, you know, the, the guys that are, you know, handling him are like, you know, we, we're kind of watching this dude. This guy could actually hurt you. I mean, this is not a good idea. So I, I, I think this movie did a really good job of kind of showing that little back part where, you know, you're, you think you may be the best, but you don't realize that the people that are, you know, that are surrounding you are really kind of protecting you because they're not giving you the best either. So I, I well, thought that part was even, interesting. Even Apollo Creed references it during the fight. He goes, he doesn't think this is a show. He thinks it's for real. Yeah. Well, no, not, not Apollo Creed. That was his coach. He said, because that's what he said. He goes, he doesn't think it's a show. He thinks it's a real fight. That was his, that was his trainer telling Apollo Creed that. Okay. Well, because you know Apollo Creed had this had this very um, um, fantasy idea of well, you know what this this looks good. You know, yeah. I'm going to have you know this guy called the Italian Stallion come up, um, you know, and, and you know I'll give him a <clears throat> a good shot, and you know it'll be a good. I'll make it look good, like a good fight, and and you know, and, and I'll drop this guy, you know, in the third round or whatever, and and, and it'll be picturesque, you know, hometown boy, and I mean he just had this you know kind of fantasy of what you know, the world that he was going to live in. And like you said, and you make a great point, Steve, the handlers knew. And, you know, and, and there's, I think there's a lot of that, that I think there's a lot of things that are now coming out, especially about boxing during that time period, and especially about Muhammad Ali, and especially about some of the famous fights that are now, and and have always been suspected of being fixed. Um, That, you know, that, I know, no. I know, I know, I know. I'm not going to say that we're at the level of professional wrestling, but, you know, boxing to this day is a joke. And it's because of what you start seeing, and I know we're not going to talk about other movies, but you start really seeing that alluded to a lot, especially in, like, Rocky III, um, where, you know, they're talking about the industry itself. Um, and, and, you know, people, there's there's a lot of money to be made, and people wanted to make money. And it was a you know a lot of greed in the industry, and and so people were going to set the exact matches up that they that they wanted, and uh, um, you know the one of the strengths of this story is 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 how you know this this guy this unknown wrote this compelling story, and it's I think it's just masterfully done how he kind of. St- how he he takes this story and and stages and builds it up to this crescendo at the end that I don't I don't nobody had really seen up to that point I don't think I I mean you guys have you know a little bit older than me um ha, I mean have you guys ever seen you know anything you know remotely close to like a boxing movie that was that compelling at the end Yes Raging Bull Raging Bull well, and I'll give you another one. It was the one with, um, oh shit, I just forgot his name. Uh, Chris, Christian Bale? No, no, it was with, um, and it was actually based on a historical boxer from the oh, 30s, uh, Russell yeah, Crowe. Uh, Russell Crowe, uh, but all those came, something but, I'm sorry, the Crowe one came after this. Yeah, and that was oh, a yeah, good movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm just, I'm talking, I, Raging Bull came before this, because that was a black and white movie, wasn't it? Well, Raging no, Bull came after, but it was a black and white movie. It was shot in black and white. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. Okay, but but it, I mean, you you hadn't seen anything like this, um, and we've always, you know, and, Steve, and when we get to the, the 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 end of the movie, Steve has 
Steve has always had a great um, um, perspective of it, and I'll let him share that. But um, you, you know, this is really a story-driven movie, of, and and it's I don't know what you guys think. I don't think it's boring. I don't think it drags out. I think it actually is very compelling. The characters that they bring in, especially you know when Polly comes into it, um, and and just you know you you start to see. Sylvester Stallone's character really starting to, I don't want to say evolve, but really start to develop, um, and, you know, and, and start to train and then, you know, you know, and gets his big break and, and, you know, you, you want, you know, to a point, I mean, you're, you're at the end, you're, we all know the ending. You're kind of surprised that it, the, the way it goes down. But at the same time, as Ken said, this is, it still ends up being a feel good movie at the end. Well, I mean, like you said, Jeff, it's that classic underdog type of movie. And in in a, in a way, I hate to say it's a coming-of-age movie. It's a little bit more of uh, what's the other term, maybe? Uh, I mean, because you've got Rocky who, I mean, he is not, he's not comfortable in his own skin. I mean, he knows what he is. He knows he's just not the brightest bulb in the harbor. He knows he has no skills. The only thing he knows how to do is fight and He's really not even that good of it, at least in the club fighting that he does, because it's it's club fighting. And it was that scene when they get when he gets pulled in, and he thought he was actually going to be a sparring partner. He's like, "Oh yeah, I could, I could do a good sparring thing." And they're like, "No, we want you to fight him." And he's like, "Uh, no." I mean, he didn't want to fight. He was like, I mean, and the, the whole thing was like, "I am totally out of my league." I mean, the thing of it is, is that they kind of showed that he's not a smart person, but he was smart enough to realize, I am totally outclassed here. Why do they want to do this to me? And I think that was kind of a a very compelling part of the movie, in my opinion, because it kind of shows where he may have a chance. But even up to that, even up to the time he climbed in the ring, he went in there knowing he's probably not going to be able to win. All he went in there wanting to do was to go to distance. That's all his goal was, which is actually really interesting. Not to win, just to go to distance. Yeah, and that's a great scene when he's sitting there with Adrian and he's he's had that, you know, hour of the wolf moment, yep. 3 a.m., and he's yep. like, oh, shit, I can't win. There's no way I can win. But I can hang in, and if I – and. You know, and that's what's so beautiful about this movie is this guy's not smart, but he's not dumb. I mean, he's not Paulie Godfather dumb. He's he knows he knows his limitations, and so he he works within those limitations because you know the whole training scene, the whole Burgess Meredith when they have that great shout out about wanting to coach him, and he never really gave a damn about me, right? This guy becomes slowly self-aware, and he stays within his limitations, and he knows, I can't win. All I have to do is not lose. I, I really like that about this movie because it's not a superhero movie in the sense of how this is going to end is that the little guy is going to triumph over the big guy. It's about the little guy knowing he's got his shot, so make the best of it and play to your strengths. Right, yes. And I'll tell you what, I, I think Stallone, this is the, the best acting he has ever done in any of the movies. I mean, yeah, or I, I shouldn't say the best. Um, 
because I forget about Copland. I mean, Copland was superb uh, performance on his end, but this is definitely one of it. And well, I'll, I'll still put in that plug for Rocky Balboa. Yeah, you haven't seen it. Yeah, watch it. Yeah, I've got to get that. As a matter of fact, I am going to make a point to watch that this weekend. I I think part of it with me is, I, I mean, literally after the third one, I just got to the point. I'm like, oh my god, you know, the third one was really for me pushing the limit. And then I've seen, you know, I saw the fourth, and then uh, the fifth one with uh, what the hell's his name, and then I'm like, oh my god, this is just becoming. It, it just became. It started becoming like the Roger Moore bond movies at that point for me it's like oh my god how bad can they get uh yeah pretty bad but anyway jeff real quick did you see have you seen rocky balboa i i haven't i haven't seen anything past number four you should really watch rocky balboa it's a perfect bookend of this movie See, I want to, I want to see it too because I've heard nothing but good things. I, and especially, and I trust Mark, Mark's judgment on this one. I, I, I will watch it because I've heard nothing but good things about that one. You know, Mark has always touted it. Um, you know, it's one of those that's never on TV. And, you know, I mean, Mark, God, that movie's been out for nearly what, 15 years? Um, Rocky Balboa came out about five or eight years ago. Was that okay? Yeah. All right, maybe just five. Um, yeah, and yeah, you went and saw it. I think you said you know it wasn't yeah. bad. Um, no. and I I haven't. I mean, I just it hasn't been on and, my radar. And you know, there's a great scene. And, and I I if you've got sons or kids, there's a great scene between he and his son, and it's like a four minute scene, and it's one of those where he's he's kind of just giving him the. He's given his son the lecture about life, and you you sit there and you watch it, and if you don't have a lump in your throat, because either you got that you got that 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 lecture, and not a lecture in the oh dad's yelling at me again, but that wake up call when you were a young man, or you know someday you're going to have to give it to your son or daughter. It it's one of those that you just go wow, this movie's got a lot of depth. And subtlety, like Rocky, there's a lot going on in this movie, in in this original movie. There's a lot of depth and subtlety. Adrian's whole backstory is great. Polly's whole backstory. Well, now, just these Rocky. Are, Rocky. Yeah, Rock, a, I mean, he's got all kinds of stuff going on. These are beat up people. I mean, Burgess Meredith takes seven minutes of a scene, and you know more about this guy and why he is the way he is and why he's just open for a chance to hockey. It's one of the best seven minutes of an exposition about a character development. They all get their moments to shine. It's great writing on Stallone's part. It really is. Well, you know, it's great writing, but they also got great actors to play those parts. I mean, and I, and guys, I want to kind of move over to that, uh, that part of the show to talk about is, you know, Great writing, as you said, Mark, but like I said, two of the guys that are peripheral characters that I think really, really stand out are Burt Young and Burgess Meredith. You know, Burgess Meredith plays Mickey, which you don't see a lot in the movie. I mean, a little bit here and there. I mean, he's got, I mean, he is more of a little bit more of a main character, but he is not the central focus. But I mean, my God, I mean, what a great 
guy to get in there. I mean, you know, for those of you who uh, are like really old like us, you remember him. He was the Penguin in the original Batman TV yeah. series. Yeah. So there oh, you go. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and to be honest with you, you looked as old then as he did in this movie. Um, so, wow. uh, yeah, and then uh, Burt Young, I mean, my God, that guy, stereotypical, fit the role perfectly. And Talia Shire, I think, did a wonderful job of that, you know, the shy, introverted, you know, girl who, you know, she's, you know, living in the same house that she probably grew up in with her mom and dad. Then they died, and now her and her brother live there and just never leaves the house and just... Yeah, it, it's just they all played a very good role for how it was written. So, I mean, Stallone, not only did he write a really good story, they got very, very good people to act him out very well. And I'll tell you what, it, well, I'm just going to say right off the bat, one of my favorite actors in this movie actually was Talia Shire. She, I think, played the role the best of all of them. I think well, her- and particularly people people are most familiar with her as Michael Corleone's wife or sister, rather Michael Corleone's sister in The right. Godfather right. One and Godfather Two and Godfather Three, where she plays completely as Adrian. She's completely against type from those movies. Yes. So people had seen her in The Godfather, and then they see her in this, and it's like exactly. I think she does a magnificent job in this movie. Yeah, true. Well, that that was a thing that sort of, in retrospect, got me thinking, which is, you know, I looked at the chronology, and yes, she'd done, you know, a couple of Godfather movies, and then she did this. I was going, based on what I know about this movie and the budget and all that we just talked about, how'd they convince her to do it? I mean, this was, this was a step down, you would think. It's like, you know, let's come to this low-budget movie by some dude no one ever heard of, and you can be the, the female lead. That wouldn't be too enticing. The only thing you can figure is, you know, at that time, she's, yeah, she came off of the Godfather movies, but she's she's got a peculiar look about her, and she may not have been picking up a lot of roles. Or she could have just really liked the story. And the character. That's true. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like Talia Shire has been, you know, right, you know, racking up a whole bunch of movies, you know, movies after that. I mean, you know, really the only thing she's known for is the Godfather in, in the Rocky movies. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, Popeye. As like I said. As I said, <laughs> uh, she's really only known for. <laughs> wow. My God. I, I, I'm going to have to. Went to the theaters with my father. <laughs> it's no. Robin Williams, Talia Shire, <laughs> playing Popeye and Olive Oil. Did you really? Oh, oh man, I, I, I was disappointed in my father after that. Hey Jeff, honey, yeah. Did you say this? Ah. <laughs> it's a matter of fact. <laughs> oh God. Wow. Thank. That's right. Thank up you for Battlefield Earth. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyway, that's... Um, oh, speaking of remakes, did you guys... Not remakes. I'm, I'm not going to talk about the remake of uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, did you guys see that there is another Rocky movie coming out? What? You guys uh-huh. haven't seen this? <laughs> All right. Are you ready? 
<clears throat> All right. Well, you heard it here first. I was looking at uh, movies that uh, future movies that were coming out here and things in, that are in production or getting ready to go into production. Uh, there's another Rocky movie coming out. Rocky. Now, I'm I'm not sure how this I'm not sure how this works. Okay. Um, Rocky is um, is uh, going to be the trainer for Apollo Creed's. I think it's son or grandson, and that's yeah. the sto- and that's the storyline. He is going to be he's going to train his son or grandson up. I can't remember which one it actually is to be, um, to 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 be a fighter. Yeah, I'm going to run out there and see that. Yeah, you say that now, but you you know you you know you wait now. See you know see how it plays out. No, they have to stop. I mean, they're just it's. Yeah, they have to stop with this. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a natural progression. It might be interesting. Good Lord. All right. It's like it's like Star Wars. You won't go see Star Wars, will you? Well, I'll go see it. Well, why got, not stop there? I've got I the, mean, that's that's the seventh movie. Why not stop? It, I'm not having this conversation. Oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I win. I win. No. It's okay. Go on. Girl. Muncie. Muncie. Slap, slap fight. Please, please, yeah. air clo pick. Continue. You know, you know what it is, Jeff? Oh, tell me. Fast and zip or? <laughs> Never mind. Zip fast and fast zip. and zip. Wow. Okay, B5 reference, sir. Never mind. All right, moving on. I'll tell you guys, let's talk about uh, some of our favorite scenes of this movie. And what do you think? I've I've got a few. There's it's It's actually really hard to pick favorite scenes because yeah, this movie's so good and there's so many great scenes in it but I, I've got my own personal one that I that I'm gonna hold back I'm curious to see what you guys think but um, mark what do you think my favorite scene is the for lack of a better term the confrontation between Burgess Meredith and Rocky when Burgess Meredith comes to his apartment and says, look, you need a trainer, you need a manager, you need, you need someone to train you. You know, these are two guys on, one's on the back end of his life and the back end of his career. And he's showing his news clippings and he's, you know, he, he's talking about, I could have been a contender kind of thing. And Rocky earlier in the movie had pulled out his news clippings for Adrian. And that whole dynamic between those two guys, and when Burgess Meredith is going down the stairs and, and Rocky is still screaming at the door and, and it's just, it's really powerful. And then it's just so well done. The reconciliation where Rocky comes out, you know, here is Burgess Meredith in a pull away shot, shuffling away down the street, back to the camera and Sly Stallone comes out and it's just great photography great direction of and there's you don't even hear the conversation of them reconciling uh for Burgess Meredith to train Rocky I I, that's like the pivot to me that's the pivot point in the scene where we get to this the the final act where we start to move to the final act and it's it's a really well done scene between a a new young relatively new relatively young actor and a seasoned um, professional in the twilight of his career uh, Mark, 
Uh, good call. That is actually a very good scene. And it is, when you first started talking about the confrontation, I'm like, oh, shit, is he picking the same one I am? But it's, no, good good call, because I agree. That whole scene, plus the music, which we're going to talk about a little bit, really kind of fit in. And I, I did. I liked that whole part where they just talked, and you you don't know what they're saying because there's no sound. It just right. you just see them talking. So yeah, that that's actually a really good scene. Uh, Ken, what do you think? What's your thoughts? Mark stole my scene. Oh, oh really? If I have to uh, come up with another one quickly, um, it's not one scene, but it's just the opening. This movie, I think you guys would agree, it starts slow. And it takes time to build characters. And again, they've got to establish who Rocky is. And it starts out, you know, in the ring at a CD, in a CD club. And it shows, you know, the world he's in. And you're, you know, they're not making big statements, but you're getting an idea of what this guy is, where he lives, what he's like. You know, he's interacting with various people, just like going home uh, after the fight. And uh, I thought that was pretty well done again it, it took its time and you know the i mean I, I i don't have a you know stopwatch out when i'm watching this but you're probably two-thirds of the way into the movie before the real tense action really starts yeah pretty much all right jeff what do you think well i and and ken is <clears throat> ken is right actually ken you're off by uh about one sixth um the uh, the real action in the show doesn't start until um, an hour and thirty minutes into the two hour movie, and um, and that's kind of where you know that's the point where I, I really start. I, and don't get me wrong, I enjoy the movie up to this point. But I, I do like the story because it's a very it's a story driven movie. It's it's about this the fight is the culmination of the the journey of this character, and. Um, and, and I'm fine with it. I mean, is it boring? I don't think it's boring. I think I'm compelled by the writing and by the character to to watch it. I don't feel like I'm ever bored. Um, I don't think it's really slow. I, I see what Ken's saying. I just think that I don't. I just enjoy the story. Um, you know, it, about this up and coming guy and, and where he's at, and we've got to define the character because it is you know some some really good character development. Um, and, and it really endears you to, you know, you know, what happens at the end, but you're right. Once we get to the, like the one hour and 30 minute mark, it is, it's really off to the races. And, and that is, that is where my, my, aside from the, the actual fight, which I think is they, they did a fantastic job of trying to, to show that over 15 rounds and how they do that, but we'll get to that later. Um, but my favorite scene is it's the, it's where you start seeing him in the gym working with Burgess Meredith and, um, and, and, and then you, you see his like training regimen and, and, and what he does to get ready. It's what you would expect from this guy. Um, it, it, you know, he's out there, he's working hard. He's in these rough, rugged areas. And, <clears throat> you know, one of my, I guess my favorite part is, is the run that he goes on. In, in preparation to, for his cardio for the fight, where it's, it's kind of the montage in the movie. Um, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Oh, my favorite scene. Uh, <clears throat> I'll tell you what, my favorite scene 
And I actually have a sound clip that we will play later. But, uh, uh, Mark, like you said, the confrontation, there was an initial confrontation when Rocky had the, the showdown with Mickey in the middle of the gym. You know, when, you know, Mickey's like, yeah, yeah, dumb Dago. And he's like, and he's like, why are you always running me down? Why do you want, you know, and, and next thing you know, you had this back and forth where Mickey just kind of laid it out. It's like, you're a bum. You could have been a great one. You could have been a contender, but instead you did, you know, you threw your life away and you could just see where Rocky was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I did. And it was, and I think that was like that. That was the one point I think with uh, that kind of turned it around. I think for him, where he's like he I, he realized he has to do something because this is, is all it's going to be. This is all he's ever going to do. And yeah, he's um, going to be a two bit enforcer for a two bit uh, loan shark. Right, exactly. And I think that really kind of ties in to. You know, your favorite scene, Mark, is where, you know, then, you you know, Mickey kind of looks like the guy's like, oh, now, you know, this guy hit the lottery. Uh, maybe I should, uh, you know, I was ignoring him before, but now he hit the lottery, so maybe I should. I mean, it really doesn't paint Mickey in the best of lights because mm-hmm. Mickey looks like an opportunist, which I think he is. I mean, I think he was just like, well, gosh, well, uh, you know, he's kind of going whoever's the best guy around. But the flip side is, you know, he even told Rocky at one point, you know, this isn't a soup kitchen. This is a business. You know, I've got to, I've got to train whoever's going to be the best that's out there. So a very interesting, like I said, I mean, you look at people, there's no black and whites in this. I mean, everybody's got an angle. And I think that's really good writing on Stallone's part for this movie, especially Pauly. Well, especially Paulie, my God, that guy, he, that, he, they could have had a whole show built around that dude. You know, nowadays they would have done a spinoff. Yes, they would have. Yeah, they would have done like the Paulie show or something like that, but that would have died out after one season because they ran out of uh, stuff. But anyway, uh, guys, <clears throat> we got to talk about the music, probably some of the most iconic music in American history. I mean, you hear the music, you know exactly what it is. You probably never even seen the movie and you know what it is. Well, you know, we've had that conversation before. <clears throat> we had it when we were talking about Jaws where we said, where we say, you know, what's the most recognizable song or composition or music. And, and, and I, and I don't know if there's a, you know, you can have one ranked at a certain level above another. I mean, but, this is one of those, you know, many classic American film compositions that that you immediately recognize. You know, it's the same thing as Star Wars, um, Jaws, you know, Rocky. I mean, they are all three equally as recognizable, I think, as the as 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 one another. Um, and I mean, let's when you hear it. I mean, I don't know. Tell me, you guys don't get a little pumped up. Oh my God! You cannot. It's some of the greatest, you know, pre-workout music you could ever listen to. I drink four raw eggs every time I hear it. Well, there's that. I just, <laughs> I just can't help myself. But I mean, you know how it. I mean, this. I mean, the composition itself. I mean, how it. You know, it it 
it starts off so simple yet so powerful with the with the horns and then it you know it builds up into like almost a full orchestra yes um and and it's i mean it is it's just it's it's, it's simply brilliant well and you think about it this is one of those rare movies that captures as they would say lightning in a bottle you've got a great story you had the right actors you even had the right music for this movie i mean there are a lot of movies that get almost all of it right. Think about it. They got Henry Mancini to make that, to, to, to create that piece. It could have been a horrible 70s, you know, porn guitar, porn <laughs> keyboard, wah-wah kind of crap. <laughs> and, it, and it didn't. And that's one of the things that makes this movie so compelling. And it did, it carried through, I mean, with, all the movies in the series, they wisely continued to use that basic theme. Even when they started plugging in things like Eye of the Tiger and all, that's still the, the movies always open with the same theme, which right. was very effective because it psychologically took you right back to what you liked about the original movie. Yep. Right. Beside the, I mean, the, uh, the centerpiece for the music, I mean, the rest of the movie, um, there are some, um, moving piano pieces in the movie. And it's just simple, simple note compositions of music. And it's, it's at, it's at key moments where they're trying to get a more, um, sentimental feel to the movie where, you know, you're trying to get that personal connection and whether, you know, sometimes it's just him by himself, um, you know, contemplating his life and where he's going or, you know, maybe even in there with, um, you know, him and Talia, you know, it's, it's those more, you know, personal pieces. Um, but I find that simple, just lone instrument, that piano playing, it, it's very effective throughout the movie. If somebody really had a good vision for how to include music in this movie. Gentlemen, so, I believe it is time for Brother What You Drinking. Holy shit. This is going to be an interesting night for me. All right. Um, Muncie, what do you got? Talk to us. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. Tonight, I've cracked open my, um, I got this as an appreciation uh, beer from, uh, uh, what is this? Uh, Ohm Gang out of uh, Cooperstown, New York. Um, they brewed up this, um, uh, this is one of those, like, you know, one pint, 9.4 full ounces, uh, deals. One of those like almost, you know, wine bottle size things. Um, the, it's called the uh, Game of Thrones Three Eyed Raven Dark Saison Ale. And, uh, it is something I, I, I don't think I've really ever had one of these before. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's got a lot of spices in it and, I'm not a big spicy beer, but they're not, they're not too bad. They're fairly mild. Um, it's, it comes in at, uh, 7.2. Um, I don't think I would pick this up again, but it's not bad. Um, there's a lot of beer here, but it's 7.2% alcohol. Um, not bad, is it? Uh, it's, is it? I'm not a, here's the thing. I'm not a huge, um, spicy beer fan. Um, and when I say spicy, I mean, it's, um, I, I can't really place what spices like are holiday spice or pumpkin spice. It's more of a pumpkin type spice. Ugh. 
which I don't mind the pumpkin beers. It's it, but it's not like a holiday spice. I really don't care for the holiday spice ones. Um, but it's it's more I don't know pumpkin slash herbal herbal type. Um, so it's it's I mean it's okay. Um, if you like those beers, I think you might like this. I'm not a huge spice beer fan in any stretch of the mind. Um, so, you know, if, if people out there do like spice beers, this might be worthy. Now they got this uh, kind of like a specialty store here in, in the city. Um, I don't think it was cons, but, um, uh, if it was, it was the one over off Michigan road, but it's, um, if you like those types of beers, I think you'll, you'll enjoy this. Um, because I don't think it's bad. It's just not my thing. All right. Very nice. Mr. Mark, what do you got? Uh, from the great city of Bloomington, Indiana, Upland Brewing Company. Yep. Their wheat, their wheat ale. It's a very nice American wheat ale. It's not a heifa. It's an American wheat, so it's it's you don't have the banana taste. Um, but it it's a very well done, well crafted, flavorful wheat ale. You know, weather's warming up, and wanted to crack one of those open, and they they craft some quality beer. Very nice. All right, gentlemen, my turn. Holy crap. Well, I'll tell you what. My mom uh, came down to a little bit of a long story here. I'm going to try to keep it short. But my mom came down last week because uh, the smallest child has uh, graduated from uh, high school. And she's going off to college and with honors. And I'm very proud of her. But my mom lives up in the, uh, the region. No, no. Not the. I said the region. The okay. region. So, so up there they have a, uh, a very famous uh, brewery up there called uh, Three Floyds. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I think she just spent a good chunk of my inheritance on a specific beer that they brew one batch a year. And uh, I actually chastised my mother for actually spending the money on this beer, and I'm still trying to choke it down. As a matter of fact, I have it actually sitting. I have been drinking this thing for about the last 45 minutes. Um, and I <laughs> Wow. Have, yeah, and I'm probably about halfway down. What is it? I'll get to that. It's, okay. It's actually sitting in a chest of ice right now just to keep the beer cold. <laughs> Is it, it a standard bottle or is it no? It, large? It, it, it's a it's it's the bigger bottle. It's not the wine okay. bottle, the thirty two ounce or whatever the flip they okay. call that thing. But it, it's a big bottle. But uh, I yield to no one for my capacity for good beer. This one might actually kick the shit out of me. I, I actually feel like Rocky going up against Apollo Creed right now. I just don't know if I could do it. But anyway, this one is the 2014 Dark Lord. And the description, gentlemen, is a demonic Russian-style imperial stout. Muncie, oh brace yourself. <laughs> I'm braced. Oh, shit. I can't wait go. to hear the ABV on Hold this. on. Yeah. <laughs> Grab yep. on to something. I feel like I'm in a Star Trek episode where my chair gets whipped around. Yeah. yeah. Ludicrous speed. <laughs> Not <Go>! ludicrous. <laughs> We're going flat. Yep. Okay, it's a demonic Russian-style imperial stout. Demonic Russian? Imperial Stout? Yes. It's been called the Rasputin, then. Yeah. 
No, this is no, this is the Joseph F. and Stalin stout. Um, <laughs> For the Berea, the Beria stout. Yeah, brewed. Right. Nope. Let me continue. Brewed yeah, with coffee, Mexican vanilla, and Indian sugar. This beer defies description. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Available one day a year in April at the brewery, Dark Lord Day. My mother stood in line. She told me, and there were witnesses. She stood in line for an hour and a half to get a bottle of this. And what? The, the, yeah, because my mother loves me and I love her too. And I, I'm not sure I'm going to love her after I drink this beer, but oh, good Lord. Uh, I told her never stand in line more than five minutes for any beer. Never, <laughs> never spend $26 for a beer. Oh my God. And uh, yeah. And um, so the style is Russian Imperial Stout. Gentlemen. <laughs> You're just, you know, you're drinking your inheritance. You know this. Well, this that's what she told on, me. Right? She's like, you could either have it now or have it later. And right. she said, drink it now. <clears throat> Gentlemen, the ABV <laughs> on this bad boy is. Dog, dogfish, here we come. It's <laughs> not quite there, but damn close. 15%. Oh, my God. <laughs> How many deck plates has it burned through? It, uh, yeah, I don't want to spill it on the the, the it's like desk. Like blood. It is. I actually have a uh, uh, oven mitt holding the bottle, just just on the safe side. <laughs> <laughs> I, I drink it with it a biohazard from? suit on. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, God, guys, this is the only thing I've drank today. This thing is kicking my ass. Holy crap! Anyway, like, what's, what's it taste like? Uh, it tastes like, uh, let's see, it tastes like uh, an imperial stout brewed with coffee, Mexican vanilla, and Indian sugar. That's what it tastes like. Thanks. <laughs> That's pretty much the best I can give you. Holy crap. Is your tongue numb? Um, I don't know. How does it sound? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys tell me. I mean, it, my wow. tongue feels normal all the time. You... It all depends on how it sounds over the podcast. So, all right. Well, there you go. So, you know what I'm drinking or killing myself with? Uh, last and certainly not least. It's now time for Catching Up with Ken. My darling, uh, the highlights. Quick rundown. Uh, last Friday night, I... Got some people together at the front page downtown. It's a uh, sports bar on Mass Ave. Uh, it's been there many, many years. I mean, before that area really took off, it was there doing good business. But it's going out of business. Uh, it's being replaced by another chain. So they're closing shops. So I wanted to have one last gathering there. Uh, same night, uh, stopped by Union 50. Had a drink there. Union 50 is continuing to bubble along, doing well. It's a very cool uh, bar, lots of open space, and a good place to sit and talk and all. Uh, A few nights later, uh, went to some place I talked about recently that Jeff and I both like, Mimi's Meatballs. Had another meatball dinner. 
Uh, last Saturday had a doubleheader, two graduation parties, one at the Michaels residence, and it was a good party. I want to thank you for inviting me. Very nice party at the Michaels. I had lots of uh, good goodies and such. Uh, then I went down to the my friends the Wrights party, and it was actually not billed as a party. It was a graduation festival, and it actually turned out that it was. They hired a couple of food trucks for unlimited food, had Asian food and uh, Italian food, had a professional balloon dude there doing balloon animals for all the kids, and hung around there until like 2 o'clock at night. It just went on and on and on. And then last night I went to the R Bistro for a upscale dinner. That's it for me. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with uh, Brother What You're Drinking and Catching Up with Ken. So now it is time to move on to Clips. Clips! Shit. Our favorite part of the show. I was wrong. Our crack team of professionals. Yes. Top. Top, man. Top, man. Yes. <laughs> We're now moving on to Clips. <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right, number one. Yeah? I'm broke. I'm sick. I'm Mr. Ganso says I should get the 200 to break your thumb. You understand? Please. Huh? Please. Don't break me. What's your name again? Bob. Huh? Bob. Listen, Bob. Listen, Bob. You want to dance, you got to pay the band. You understand? You want to borrow, you got to pay the man. Hey, I ain't emotionally involved, Bob. You understand? Sounds like my, uh, never mind. Um. No you comment. were saying? No, nothing. I'm not saying anything. All right, number two. You put my stuff on Skid Row. I've been in that locker for six years, and you put my stuff in a bag on Skid Row. Mickey tells me what to do. I got to do it, right, Rock? And that's where he saw it, you know, where his whole life is kind of going really down. Because the, the gym was all he had. And it ain't much of a gym. Yeah, it wasn't. So, all right, number three. What's your problem? My problem is I've been talking to your man, Mike. I want to know how come I've been put out of my lock. Because Dipper needed him. Dipper's a contender. He's a climber. You know what you are? What? Tomato. Yeah, let's face it. I run a business here, not a goddamn soup kitchen. <laughs> I'll tell you, Burgess Meredith was really such a great pick for that role. Oh, I mean, talk about adding gravitas to the film. Yes. 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 All right. Well put. Yes. Aping is a loser. Hey. She's pushing 30 freaking years old, and if you don't watch out, you're going to end up dying alone. I'm 30 myself. And you're going to end up dying alone. Hey, I don't see no crowd around you, neither. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there was a lot of that bitty or that witty banter throughout the movie. You know, that kind of back and forth, tongue in cheek type stuff throughout the movie. And, you know, Sylvester, say what you want about Sylvester Stallone. I mean, you know, for for really being a novice writer, he did an awesome job, yes. and just get, catching the essence of people and 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 their interactions. Well, and and after think- watching this movie, when every time Polly was in the meatpacking plant, uh-huh. I thought if I had seen this as an adult in 1976, I probably would have become a vegetarian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Next one. Apollo Creed meets the Italian Stallion. <laughs> Sounds like a damn monster movie. 
And, you know, I mean, the the character that he created, I mean, I'm going to guess he didn't know Muhammad Ali, but, you know, Carl Weathers' character, Apollo Creed, was modeled off of that. I mean, you know, to, to have all these little scenes um, interspersed throughout the movie kind of give us a flair for who this guy was. Um, you know, he nailed, you know, developing that character in just really a few scenes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when he appears for the fight as oh if he's gosh. George Washington. Holy cow. That and and I, I give a lot of credit to Carl Weathers because he he carried that whole over the top without being corny. This yeah, this is what a boxer would do kind of stunt. And it was it was great. It was great. And I don't know what you guys felt about it. it when I watched this movie, and when I still find watch this movie, and, and I watched this movie in the 80s at some point. I don't think I, I clearly didn't watch it in the 70s. I don't, it, it doesn't feel like Apollo Creed is, a, is the bad guy. No. It's like he's just the opponent because you almost like him. And as the series develops, I mean, they, they create a very strong character in him. And then by the third one, I mean, you you really like the character. And I hope – I'm going to say this. I hope at some point we get to do Rocky Three. I know that there is a, a lot of strong feelings out there on both sides for liking and disliking. I would love to take an opportunity to say why that movie is a good movie. I I am up for it. I like Rocky Three. So Do you really? Okay. Yes, I do. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I'm up for it. And one of our listeners this week, they pointed out that their favorite movie was Rocky II. And I, I agree. I agree with them that I think Rocky II is, is the, is, is the better movie, but to just small degrees. I mean, you know, and, and, and anyways, we can, we can, I look forward in the future talking about, you know, the, the other movies in the series. We could never do four and I'd be fine with that. Yep. (laughs) All right. All right. Next one. I don't understand why anybody would want to be a fighter. Hey, you gotta be a moron. You gotta be a moron to want to be a fighter. You know what I mean? It's a rapper we almost guaranteed to end up a bum. I don't think you're a bum. Well, I'm at least half a bum, you know? Uh, all right, guys. Next clip here. Uh, got, just so you know, this is a clip for my favorite scene. I said that before, you dumb Jago! You know, I've been coming in for six years, and six years you've been sticking it to me. I want to know how come. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to know how come. You want to know? I want to know! Okay, I'm going to tell you. Because you had the talent to become a good fighter. And instead of that, you became a leg breaker. Some cheap second-rate loan shark. To living? It's a waste of life. Great scene. Yep. All right, uh, next. Hey, yo, Paul, who cared about me yesterday, huh? Nobody. So uh, I just think I'm going to train myself, you know? Without such good people around to help, you don't have such a good chance. Einstein flunked out of school twice. That's it. Yeah. Beethoven was deaf. Helen Keller was blind. I think Rocky's got a good chance. Is that what you call damning with fate phrase? (laughs) 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 Just say it. Um, all right, uh, next one here, guys. This is um, uh, Mark. I think you said this is one of your favorite scenes. So, uh, at least part of the clip. Ah, Rocky Marciano. 
You know, you kind of remind me of the rock. You know that? You really think so? That's right. You move like him, and you got heart like he did. I got heart, but I ain't got no locker, do I, Mick? Yep. Yep, that's a great scene. Because you see Mick's like, yeah, kind of screwed the bit. I mean, because you could tell. I mean, it's like, yeah, I pretty much wrote this guy off, but for some ass reason, he got picked. You know, again, he won the lottery. That's yep. all it is. He won the lottery. Uh, all right, here's one here. Mark, you know I love you, right? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I did this one after you because I could see you at this age doing this. It's you a trainer. Here's your clip. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rock. What? How about you give us your Get out of here! Don't you ever interrupt me while I'm conducting business. Move your little chicken ass. <laughs> Why, yes. Yes, I would. Get off my damn lawn. Get, off the lawn. Get your chicken Get your ass off the lawn. Ass. I didn't know chickens had asses until I saw this movie. I mean, I tell you what, I've, I've, I've seen this movie probably 20 times, and I'm like, I never even heard him say that. Until I'm watching, I'm like, oh, yep, they're slower, about 75 years old, going, get off the lawn, you little chicken ass. <laughs> Love it. Me, <laughs> you, you're already there. Uh, I, I am already there. I've already done it. Way ahead of you. Oh. All right. Okay, last and certainly not least. Your nose is broke. How's it look? That's an improvement. <laughs> classic. Yep. It's a classic line. Yep, absolutely. You know, uh, Steve, I don't know if you were thinking about doing this, but, I mean, I, I almost feel like we have to talk about the actual boxing match in the movie. Oh, yeah. You know, i tell you what, that's actually something we really should discuss because uh, when you read the trivia and you read some of the background, I mean – the the choreography and the amount of time that they had to do that, it, it it's incredible. I mean, it really looks like these guys are like beating the piss out of each other. And wow, it you're right. That's it, it's an incredible part of the movie. What I found amazing, and I didn't know until I started looking into it with this movie. It, you know, you've you have always pointed out that there's. There's no way in hell guys can take this kind of a beating. The 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 slugfest that they go through, right. you know, in the actual fight, and and I've always thought that was just you know worth mentioning that you know you you, you this this if if this is going to go on in a boxing match, it's not going to go 15 rounds. Somebody's dying on in round five, and you know as you pointed out in the beginning, they they tried to make it look like um, they were. You know, they, they, they tried to go in there and, and, and make it look real. And they, and they said it just, they, it looked too fake. And I didn't know this, but the, for this movie or during this time period, the steady cam was invented. And they shot this movie, um, uh, in steady cam from, um, they basically shot all the fight sequences for rounds like one, two, 14, 15 or something. Um, and, where and they if actually, you watch real quick, quickly, Jeff, if you watch. One of the scenes where they're shooting down, like at a forty-five degree angle to look at the at the uh, ring, you can see one of the Steadicam guys. Okay, okay, in the I never background. noticed that. Okay, because I saw yeah. PVC pipe. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you noticed something I just never look at because you know that's not where the perspective is. The perspective is right, right. there on the ring, and and you know and. 
speaking of, I mean, th- there is some phenomenal camera work in this movie. And what they did is they, they, they had the study, they had a, they shot it initially, I guess, on ringside with the study cam. And then they shot it like in the audience looking in. And that's why you have these different perspectives. And then there's times you get it from, like you said, 45 degrees up or sometimes directly over. And I mean, there was a lot of just fantastic intent to get a, a feeling for the, the, the immense scope of this event. And one of my favorite little scenes is when, um, it, it's sort of like a Hoosier scene where Rocky goes into Market Square Garden and, you know, is standing in the ring because he's never been in anything like that before. And he's, you know, he's standing there. He's seeing, you know, his likeliness on a giant um, banner and Apollo Creed's, and you know, and he's taking it all in. And he's just because, uh, you know, he, he's been in these little backroom uh, boxing match places, uh, and you know, and and now he's in the big time, and and it really is starting to hit him, you know, the 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 gravity of this real situation that you know he's going to be center stage, and they do a great job of making this just seem so grandiose. To that point, there's a great little flip side moment where he's standing there looking at his poster and the fight promoter shows up mm-hmm. and he says, that's the wrong, my, my boxing shorts are yep. white with red. He goes, Oh, don't worry about it, Rocky. And it's, it's that dismissive of it doesn't matter, kid. It doesn't. Right. Right. Yeah. You're just here for the show. Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of the things that makes this movie just click with people is, is you were right there kind of in the ring with them and, and it's, it's, it's kind of brutal and, and you were there and it's intense. I mean, you know, when Rocky is, is, is in his face and, you know, and taunting him to come on, I mean, you were just like, you know, you want to cheer him on. And did you, I mean, you guys, of course, I didn't really know this again, that this movie won awards and I didn't really know that before this. Yeah, it won. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Original Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor, two Best Supporting Actor roles, Best Film Editing, Best Music, Best Sound Mixing. It walked away with the Best Picture in 1976 for the Academy Awards, the Best Director, and Best Film Editing. It just dominated that year. Yeah. I've always said it's an iconic piece of American cinema. I mean, this movie is... Something that everybody knows and can relate to. Well, and it's also where Apollo Creed talks about picking Rocky. You know, going to give this guy his chance. It's the American dream. This movie is truly the epitome of the American dream. This movie shouldn't have been made. This movie shouldn't have been successful. Right. It it defies convention. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why... Beyond it being a very, very, very good movie, I think that's the other reason Americans love the underdog. And and this movie has it in spades. All right, folks, we are done with clips and the uh, the major sidebar there. So we are now moving on to the top ten movies of 1970. What was this, six? 76. 76. Ken, take it away. Just a few little minor details. Not top 10, but uh, in 1976, the filming for Star Wars began on March 22nd. Wow. 
and the Rocky Horror Picture Show was re-released and ever since has been a midnight movie favorite. Uh, getting to the top 10. Uh, at number 10, a movie I think we've all watched. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but in my younger days, I thought it was pretty cool. Not so much now. Midway. Um, I watch it every time it comes on TV. I will too. I saw it's it in addictive. the theater when I saw it in the theater with that lovely idea that they were promoting called Sense Around. Yes. <laughs> they used that for that. And they used it Sense Around an Earthquake, too. And what Sense Around was was some sort of ultrasonic vibration inducing speaker system. So when the bombs in a movie went off, they shot off this blast that would shake your seats. Um, it didn't stay around long. Number nine, uh, kind of a manly movie. Not great, but I watched it. The Enforcer, Clint Eastwood goes to Alcatraz. Quiet, okay. <laughs> Number eight, one of the formulaic comedies of the 80s, of the 70s, Silver Streak. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> There's a few chuckles in that movie. <laughs> uh, you. There's no. It's a big movie. Big King Kong. Mm. Oh uh, God. The seventies King that, Kong. That was a stinker. Pretty much. Continue, Ken. Number six. <laughs> A when I looked at this list, I just thought WTF <laughs> because I mean I thought I knew what great movies were. What I mean, big movies. In Search of Noah's Ark. Oh, I remember seeing that in the theater. Holy shit! Did I say that loud? What? Are that? you kidding me? Yes, I saw that in the theater. <laughs> Did you really? Yes. Next, Ken, continue. Number five, The Omen. Mm. Ooh, that's that's back when movies were creepy. Yep, creepy. goddamn right, it was creepy. Jesus oh man, that's that's those. God, that was it. creepy. The that's, Antichrist comes. Oh man, that I'm, those were dark movies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they they can't they can't they can't even try to make those things anymore. Well, you it know, goes to what I was saying. I mean. The, so far, we're not seeing a lot of feel-good movies on this list. Uh, it's number list. four. What? Is Tootsie on that list? I know. That was like 1982. Oh, but, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Another movie I pulled out. Uh, number four. All the President's Men. Never seen it. Have you guys oh, seen yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Dustin Hoffman. Oh. Uh, Robert Redford. Yeah, it's all about Watergate. The Watergate. It's yeah. Woodward Bernstein. Yeah. Actually, things have come out since to prove that, like, that movie's storyline was pretty spurious. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But that's showbiz. Uh, number three A Star is Born. 
Zardoz in that category. <laughs> Zardoz is a piece of cinematic. <laughs> oh my God! Careful with your words, sir. No, I am, no it's right there. It's a masterpiece. Let me tell you. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> man down. Man down. All right, cat number two. Continue, please. Number two, a triple WTF. Oh God. <laughs> the tr- the triple Lindy. To fly. What? what? Cue the crickets. Cue them, Steve. To fly. T O F L Y exclamation point. That was the number two movie. Steve. Making $86 million in 1976 bucks. Never heard of this. You gotta thing. remember, I was like nine years old. I mean, I'm. This is. I've never know. heard of this movie. No. Hit, okay. A brief summary of the history of flight begins with 19th century balloons and continues to 21st century space probes. It was put together by the National Air and Space Museum. It was one of the first IMAX movies. That's oh, why. Oh, and it just keeps, okay. it, it came out and everyone went, IMAX. And people evidently flooded to the theaters and spent big bucks. Because <laughs> nothing, like, nothing else was going minutes. on that year. It's like 30 minutes long. Wow. Yeah, but... Again, I, I'm looking at this list, getting ready for tonight, going like, to fly? I mean, I you know, usually when you have the top ten list, even if you thought the movie sucked or you had no interest, you're going like, well, I, I, I know what that movie was. But this one just, what the hell? And number one on the list. Hmm, let me guess. Rocky. No shit! Yep. Yep. Not yeah, but, I mean, by a long uh, shot. Again, oh, yeah. to fly, number two made $86 million. Rocky made $117 million. Wow. And, and, ladies and gentlemen, I had no idea. Wow. Incredible. Actually, you know what? This might actually be the first time we actually reviewed a movie that was on the top ten. Well, we've had lots of movies on the top ten, but number one. Yeah, number one. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Jaws, Jaws might have gotten there. Yeah, we haven't been doing the top ten. We haven't been doing Ken's top ten for a while. So. Yeah. Well, and I want to point out, you know, going back to what we were talking about, you know, the studio bought this script and gave them, you know, $1.1 million and said, go make a movie. At the same time, they were giving – you know, who knows how much to make Midway and King Kong and, you know, Silver Streak. And, you know, those came in. They, they, those are beaten like, you know, rented mules by Rocky. <laughs> yes. Well, and, you know, the other thing, this might be one of the first. Well, we've had some other movies, but this soundtrack uh, charted on Billboard at number four. I get it. I mean, you know, it it was in the Billboard 200. It charted. It peaked at number four. Yeah, I think like the following year, Disco Star Wars was like a big hit. Thanks, oh, Ken. You're right. <sighs> and, and I'll tell you what, guys, I just totally forgot. I just pulled it up, and I completely forgot that, you know, those nights when Ken can't come to the podcast because he's got some. Uh, he's got court. 
you know, he has to hold court and he's going out. I found the music that they play for him. I mean, he has, this is Ken's theme music when he's walking out. Is there a guy with a... You have failed me for the last... Oh, that ain't it. Son of a bitch, I missed... I'm on the wrong... You have failed me for the last time. No, I'm on the wrong... (laughs) No, this is it. This is Ken's theme music when he's going out. (laughs) I'm going to get you, sucker. That's right. Everybody needs their own theme song. And here's Ken's theme music. I think that's what Mark is referring to as bad 70s electronica with wah-wah. Oh, my gosh. That is awesome music. Come on. I could just see Ken walking out and that music's going on. That's awesome. All right. I'm glad you can. I can't. All I see is a leisure suit. (laughs) Okay. Would it be a line? Well, I can tell you, I had a navy blue leisure suit back in those days with a silky powder puff blue Kiana shirt to wear with it. Awesome. Did you have did you have the shirt that had like the desert scene on it and a puka shell necklace too? No, know. I had a a, a Kiana <laughs> shirt with little okay. VW Beatles on it. That's did you explains. get a puka shell necklace? Okay. I never did. That was uh, uh All right, that's now, it. If We're you done. ever watch Dazed and Confused, that has an awesome uh display of puka shell necklaces going on. <laughs> All right. And, well, and they, what does Days and <laughs> have that's very important in cinematic history, Steve? It's the cinematic debut of the 18-year-old Mila Hovich. Oh, oh, wow. wow! I'm surprised it's not you know you know a, a holiday for Steve. Tells his manager at work, "I'm taking a holiday today." All right, well, that's it with the uh, the Man Cave movie review. Brother, what you drinking? And uh, all right, son of a bitch. You guys have completely <laughs> thrown me off my freaking thing here. That's all right. why we're here. I know. All right, folks, that is it with the top ten movies of 1996. It is now time to move on to the Man Cave movie review checklist of this great and fantastic film. Number one. They want to go through a window. No. Nope. I mean, I mean, Rocky tried to go through the window of that caddy to get a oh, driver. No. That no. doesn't count. No. That no. window's no. down. No. 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 All right. No. no windows. No windows. All right. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in the movie? <sighs> I don't feel like arguing about it tonight. What? Do you think Adrian? I'm I'm not I'm not going there. I'm just. Adrian is vital for this movie. I don't know if it's vital. You know they're they're basically doing a remake of this movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and 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 it 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 just has a kid involved, and he's got a fight to you know win her. I saw. Oh yeah, we saw that. Yeah, we saw that. Yeah, Yeah. Ken and I went and saw. uh, 
So Avengers 2. Okay, the, you know what? Just stop right there because the you said Jake, we no, saw this preview in there no, and it stop, and it looks stop. it looks terrible. Stop. Jake Gyllenhaal, stop. that's that's like the new Matt that's Damon. Forget what I'm telling you. Just, <laughs> just forget it. Just, Steve, I agree with you. Yes. yes. All right, next one. Son of a bitch. God damn it. Sorry. Next <laughs> I've got to delete well, hold that. Steve, I, remind us, what was the APV on that uh, stout you're drinking? <laughs> the thing is, he's got these things clearly marked on his computer. They it say. is. It's, it, never mind. Uh, 15%, Ken. All right. Uh, next. Big dumbass. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? No. 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 All right. Next. Could the female role be better played by Tawny Katane? No. 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 Not to be the same kind of character. Frail and vulnerable like uh, Talia Shire. Yes. I'll tell you, Tawny could have played that chick that Rocky dragged back home who's hanging out with the bad crowd down at the corner. I oh, think, that girl? Yeah, I yeah th- she could have played that role. She could have played Burgess Meredith's character. Okay. <laughs> we're, 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 oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Now we're getting nasty. <laughs> wow. Shots fired. Shots fired. Huh? <laughs> 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 Alright. We're just going to move on. Next. Was there a montage in this movie? Oh, <laughs> there were so many montages. <laughs> That's it. Quote right. Mark. This whole movie was a montage. <laughs> yes. Well, half the movie's a montage. Yes. You know, I, I okay. <clears throat> I, I've already said one of my favorite montages is um, was him, you know, kind of working out and getting ready for the fight. But I do. There's another montage I do like, and it sets it sets a just a, a tense mood for you, and it's it's their pre-fight warm-up montage. Yeah, and you see you see how Rocky War- is getting ready for the fight, and you see how um, Carl Weathers is getting ready for the fight, or Apollo Creed, and 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 they're different. Um, and you know, one's intense, one is thoughtful, and you know, and and you you know, again, it's it's more character development, and it's. Uh, it's phenomenal. The, the back and forth, you know, the sprain of the nose, you know, the, you know, the you know, pulling in of, you know, Apollo Creed's chest and making sure, you know, you're, you're, they're, they're trying to get, um, his lungs to expand as much as they can. I mean, just all of this kind of cool stuff that you, you don't, you wouldn't see, um, kind of like you said, the behind the scenes of what's really going on. Um, and it, and it's, um, it's it's important, I think, to start ramping you up and getting you in the mood for the income, upcoming fight. Good point. Like it. All right, gentlemen, last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a B5 reference in this movie? I found a Star Trek reference. All right, there was no B5 reference in this movie. Thanks, Jeff. Not that I could find. Not yeah. that I could find. You probably didn't dig far enough. 
I, I may not have, but I did get to, uh, what's his name? Michael Dorn. Uh, this is his first movie. Yes. He played one of the bodyguards. I know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, MTDT, me, me, me. Yeah. Jeff? Yes. You have failed me for the last time. I'm just glad you clicked on the right one. <laughs> He's only pushed it four times tonight at the wrong time. <laughs> nice. Oh, thanks, Mark. Sure. Oh, well. Glad, glad you're keeping track, Mark. I had it at three. Uh, I had four. Yeah, yeah, it was early in the show. Yeah, it's bad when the uh, when all you, the participants of your podcast have a scorecard. That's that's bad. It's and, like uh, bullshit bingo. Yeah, bingo. yeah, yeah. When they say bingo, it's like that's when you know you've totally screwed up the show. All right, folks, that is it with the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. We are now going on to the Man Cave Movie Review of this great and fantastic film. Let's see. Who's up? Mark. No. Steve, do this one. You do I, I'm not doing it. I did the last one. Uh, Jeff, go ahead. Do this one. All right, fine, fine. Hey, tonight we've been reviewing Rocky, and uh, clearly um, it, it's one that is, is near and dear to, to not just our hearts, but I think a lot of our listeners. Um, you know, As we said, it's a story of redemption. Um, uh, it's a story of uh, – it's an underdog story, and, and we Americans really like those. Um, and, and it mirrors um, the life of really Sylvester Stallone and – um, you know, and, and his, um, his world of, um, uh, of trying to, to, to find, um, his way as, as we see Rocky trying to figure out where, where he's going, what he's going to do. But, um, you know, thanks to, I think a bunch of mistakes along the way, great people were cast in the right roles. All these roles were well cast. And I think that we didn't go into people that were, possibly consideration. I don't think anybody else could have really fit these roles. And and I think it's clear by the accolades and awards that this movie has received that it hit the right note with a lot of people. Um, I think it helped that there were no other movies that were worth watching that year in 1976. But um, in its own right, this movie um, did so many things right. And as Mark alluded to earlier, um, it, it kind of gets the trifecta. You know, it gets, it gets the story right. It gets the photography right. And, and in the music. So you get the, the, the trifecta. Um, and you get this rich story, this great character development, and it builds up to the, one of the best climactic endings, um, into a movie. Um, and, and I say given that it's 1976, I think that just makes it even, uh, you know, this is a time period where, you know, this almost seems like it was a movie, um, ahead of its time. Um, it's one of those that you almost can't, you have to stop and watch it. You cannot pass it by on the TV screen. Um, I'm sure you guys have it in the, uh, in the, in the collection. I, I just watch it when it comes on TV. Um, <clears throat> this is a movie that, that again, it, it's, it's something that, um, um, I want to share with my, my boys, uh, because it, it's, it's like you just, Steve had said earlier, it's, a, it's kind of like an American cultural iconic movie. Um, and because of that, um, I'm, I'm going to give this movie a nine. Very nice. Ken? 
I'm going to uh, mirror m- most of what Jeff said. One thing that hit me, you know, as I think I mentioned, I mean, this is the first time I've seen this whole thing. I mean, I thought I'd seen this movie, but I realized now I hadn't seen the very beginning. I must have caught it on cable or whatever came in after it started. So I was able to really sit back this time and watch the whole thing unroll. And I was struck by the length of the beginning section. I mean, not the final big, you know, breakthrough to, you know, a chance at the the prize, but the whole just showing Rocky and what his life is like and who he's interacting with and how he's trying to, like, you know, find love and find a place in the world takes takes time. Uh, but it was time well spent, uh, you know, I, and it's something that you don't see in a lot of movies today. I mean, a lot of movies today just, you know, just jump right in and have to be a roller coaster action kind of thing. This is a character study. I mean, it really is. And I liked it. So uh, if I have to give it a numerical score, I think I'm going to have to pretty much mirror Jeff with a solid nine. Wow. Mark, jump in. Yeah, likewise. It's a, it's hands down, it's a nine. Say what you will about Stallone's career as he moved on. If this had been the only thing he had done, uh, people would would be talking about it the way we're talking about it. And I think to even today, taking take into consideration all his other work, uh, and he's done some good stuff, but he's he's gone down a, an interesting path of action hero. But this movie really, you, you have to give the man his due. He was terribly passionate about this project, and he hung on to it and saw it all the way through, and it, it he was right to do it. He knew what he wanted, and he, he, he got his shot. I mean, he truly did, and he turned it into something, not only a great movie, but a good career and a great life for himself. And so this is a fantastic movie. Uh, I'm glad we did it. I had not seen it for 20 years, probably. I've not watched it in a long time, and it it brings back a lot of good memories. Um and it, it's one of those, like Jeff said, you really want your kids to watch this movie because it's got some good, when they're older, probably young teens, because it's got it's got some good life lessons in it. it really does. Very nice. Uh, guys, I'm going to trump you all. It's one of my favorite movies. Ten. For all the reasons that you guys said, and I'm adding a bonus. I, I mean, it's not news for anybody who's probably listening to this show. I mean, everybody's seen Rocky. I mean, it. if you haven't, my God. Welcome to America. Go see this movie. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is one of the iconic American movies of all time. So, there you go. Uh, that's it with uh, the Band Cave Movie Review, episode 155. Holy cow, 155, guys, really? Yeah. I say for 150. We do, uh... Jeff, we're at 155. Have, oh, I'm to, sorry. You have to move up beyond the 150. <laughs> that we're going to count backwards now. What, how, what was the ABV on your beer? I don't know. Obviously not enough. <laughs> not half of yours. <sighs> Obviously half of mine. All right. All right. Son of Beach. All right. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 155. Check us out on our website at mancavemovereview.com and look for us on iTunes 
at Man Cave Movie Review and leave us a comment and tell us if you liked the show or did not like it. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Man Cave Movie Review and on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. And if you want to drop us an email, you can drop us an email at mancavemovie at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to reply to you, one of us. Um, if it's rude comments back, it's probably going to be from Muncie. So, just so you know. Probably. <laughs> so until so until our next show, which is probably going to be next week, I am your host, the master of podcaster <laughs> disaster, Michaels, <laughs> signing off with my very good dear friend, coming in at world average, five feet seven inches, two hundred pounds, <laughs> Jeff <laughs> Jeff the ball breaker, also known as ankle biter, Muncie. I'm 190, by the way. <laughs> okay. 190. I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. But you, you got my height right. Okay. <laughs> World average. <laughs> In Madagascar, I am a towering behemoth. <laughs> Amongst the pygmies of Papua New Guinea. Napoleon was 5'7", okay? And look what he did. Yeah. He was also from Corsica. You ain't. Yes. Okay, Jeff, sign off. You're done. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> hey, Steve. Screw you, creepo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, well played. <laughs> you know what? If there was anybody who was going to use that one, it would have been you. Thank you. Uh, Your right. wife took my other one. Nice. <laughs> 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 all right. And also saying farewell, I do it on Vita Zane. This is our very good dear friend, Ken Vanilla Vodka Valkyrie Roni. All right, Michaels. We're throwing in the towel. <laughs> God knows we need to. Oh, gosh. And last and certainly not least, our referee of tonight, Mark the Four Leaf Clover Slover. I want out of this podcast instamatically. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. We are out. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 155. Check us out next week. And until then, ciao.